Welcome to Musically Speaking, the podcast with your hosts, Lewis and Pedro, where we discuss all things music, the business of music, and making your mark as an independent artist. We're glad you're here. So let's get this show started. Well, welcome to another episode of Musically Speaking, the podcast. My name is Lewis, of course. Um, the reason Pedro's not on here is because this is actually part two um, of our series, Albums of a Lifetime. Uh, so if you haven't checked out episode 32, go ahead and check that out, where we talk about the first five albums uh, that have inspired our love and passion for music. So uh, without further ado, here is part two. One of my favorite groups of all time is Boys to Men. They first came on the scene with Motown Philly. Yeah, boy. But the album that that I love from them was Boys to Men 2. Oh, man. Um, so many hits off of that. And we're talking about I'll Make Love to You on Bend the Knee, Water Runs Dry. The list goes on and on again. And this is, again, an example of an album from beginning to end that just is just full of great hits good songs memorable songs i remember they released a documentary um that i remember watching talking about how they grew up in philly and and how they met you know and they are a very rare breed in in music business today you you don't find many r&b groups anymore like that yeah that from top to bottom every member of that group can blow every member of that group is just amazingly dynamic in their vocal vocal abilities um, and I missed that. I missed that in R&B. And I'm going to talk about another group down the line that kind of trying to emulate that. But they are, for me, the best R&B group of all time. I mean, these guys, they had a lot of pressure, man. Motown Philly was very successful, but it was already towards the end of what was New Jack Swing. Right. They still had that sound. I didn't know what to expect from Boys to Men, too. I, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't. I wasn't going to try to recreate that because by the time that album came out, that was all over. Yeah. You know? So, but they they just blew it out of the park, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll Make Love to You was on, 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 like, number one for, like, forever. I don't know. It felt like I was... Yeah. Anywhere you went, somebody was trying to get... Somebody was trying to get somebody, you know... They, they were trying to get laid with that song, boy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, one cool, uh, one cool fact is that they recorded the music video for End of the Road, uh, their song End of the Road. Um, on the West Side Highway, towards you know, when you're driving up north and you're right, right before the exit for Washington Heights, so check that out when you get a chance. Uh, it's really cool to to every time I pass by there, I think about that. I did not know that. I'm gonna have to go back and check out that video. End of the Road was part of the Boomerang soundtrack. It was, yep. And that was a huge hit. Huge. That yeah. was a huge hit. Uh, I remember kind of singing along to that. I mean, that is the that is the ultimate breakup song <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah it's it's over yep. you know but yep. we didn't want it to be over song i mean these guys knew how to how to really put their soul into a track man. yeah yeah and, and that that album was great I, I i clearly have good memories from that i think they're still touring today they had a residency out in vegas um and, I, and they're down to three members actually now so yeah um, um yeah so the current members right now are nathan morris sean stockman and um and juan Ye. yeah i know that they were also celebrating the anniversary of that album coming out boys the men too yeah and they were playing pretty much the whole album yep and a good friend of mine went to see it and it just brought so many good memories yeah i would still go to see them yeah that's, that's amazing they, they put on a good show yeah for sure i'm gonna go back in time a little bit with this one and I got to thank my dad for the influence on this because it reminds him, it gives him good memories. So he would play it in the house and it got me into it. 
and it's the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Okay. Uh, 1977 is primarily the Bee Gees were kind of behind that. And this was when disco kind of exploded. And I, I like this album a lot because it really defines an era. You know, there was nowhere. I mean, my dad told me there was nowhere that you went. No disco that you went. No block party that you went. Oh, for sure. No place that you went. And especially in, in New York City where they weren't playing this and you weren't trying to dress like the guys from Saturday Night Fever, you know. And, you know, you had Bee Gees who had such a unique sound with the very high-pitched falsetto. And these were just some really good tracks, man. Yeah, yeah. Memorable ones. And, uh, you know, obviously... Uh, there were some really good songs on there that I really like. Night Fever is one I really night like. Night Fever, Night Fever. Staying Alive, obviously. The classic, you know. You had the uh, main actor in, in the Saturday Night Fever. Uh, John Travolta. John Travolta walking yeah. around with the white, yeah. you know, the white pants, you know. <laughs> down Benson. He was cool, yeah. You know, that's that's a, that's big right there. Uh, there were some songs not performed by the Bee Gees that I really enjoyed. And uh, If I Can't Have You... Uh, they had the Yvonne Allen version on there, which I like, and I really enjoy that. And some of the songs okay. that are not as talked about, but I really liked, was some of the instrumentals that were part of the movie. The movie has not aged well. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, <laughs> it just, it was a different era. Yeah. So don't get, don't get insulted. It's not like a Grease. Don't get insulted. It's just not, you know, some things are just not appropriate in today's age. But if, if it's a great time capsule, if you yeah. want to tell somebody how was life like in 1977. You want to watch this movie and not pay so much uh, attention to the references that are probably not apropos. Yeah, it's the music. But it's the music. Yeah. Uh, some of the work from what was uh, David Shire, which was, uh, and some of the other folks that performed kind of the instrumentals on there, uh, really sets the pace for the movie. And that was, I think it's it's it might still be the best-selling soundtrack of all time. It, it's just, it's a great great album, and I I really enjoy that. Good pick, yeah. Good pick, good pick. I'm going to kind of throw a little curve. Um, you know, growing up in the Bronx, you would think, you know, my influences are, you know, Latin or hip-hop, R&B. But in 1994, a great band by the name of Hootie and the Blowfish dropped an album called Cracked View Mirror. I was blown away. It, it introduced me to pop rock. And uh, I remember purchasing this album. Actually, it was a gift. My wife uh, went ahead and bought this album for me. And, you know, if you don't know me, some of the memorable hits off this album is Hold My Hand. Let her cry. Only want to be with you. Those are some huge hits. Yeah, that album huge, was yeah. massive. Massive. Uh, lead singer Darius Rucker, who still who still gigging today. He's like and, more country now, right? Yeah, yeah. And and he was a black artist who was singing country music. I didn't know he was black. I used to hear Only want to be with you. Yeah. Oh my God, who's this? Ron, <laughs> this Texas weirdo. Yeah, a black yeah. guy. Yeah, a black guy singing pop rock music. <laughs> uh, and yo, those hits were huge. They and they were memorable. And I remember. Um, just uh, vibing out to that and you know people like Hootie and the Blowfish what kind of name is that <laughs> yeah I, I, gotta, I gotta look at that up how they come up with that name but uh, and even the uh, even the title of the album Crack Review, uh, Re Review Mirror which is which is cool definitely a, a memorable uh, uh, classic yeah and, and again this was a debut album and yeah it was, exactly it was such a huge hit yep. they never recovered from that yeah, <laughs> they, never, yeah. they just yeah, I, I, know, mean, I know they split up and I know Darius Rucker 
because um, that was a pop rock album, really more pop on the pop side. I think that was their last album. No, I think they had one more album after that. They had uh, either one or two more, but they they couldn't just they couldn't yeah, act- they couldn't match up to that to that uh, to that album. Yeah, and yeah. it's a it's a college bar staple. Yeah, exactly. You yep. know, I mean spring spring break when you go to any bar on spring, you know, it's, you're gonna hear that. Yeah, any college <laughs> bar in New York, there, there'll be at least. One song from from that album being played, and yeah. they everybody sings along. Yeah, yeah, those are memorable songs, absolutely. You know, uh, my name is is uh, they call me Freestyle Chulo. That's kind of a nickname that I had because I love freestyle music. And this album, there are not many freestyle albums out there that you can say, "Hey, this is something that defines you" in a sense, because a lot of stuff is compilations, and and I, I, you know, Saturday Night Fever is kind of a compilation as well. Right. I, I'm going to talk about another compilation later on, okay. but this album, Concept of One, Tony Moran was one half of what it was, the Latin Rascals, okay. which is a big producing duo, and they also performed. Right. But Tony Moran had this solo project, and it came out in 1993, which was at the time kind of what was the almost the end of maybe the golden age of freestyle music, and. I don't think this album gets as much love as it deserves because of that. If it came out maybe a little bit before that time frame, it would have been bigger. But uh, Tony Moran was coming into his own as a producer. He wanted to showcase some of his work. And it's it's a it's an album that's ahead of his time. Because if you look at artists already who are popular, where the producer is in the front. Right. You know, you talk about pretty much anybody in EDM right now. Tiesto. David Guetta, Marshmallow, all these guys, none of them sing. None of them, sing, you know, and, but Tony Moran could sing. But what Tony Moran did was, I'm going to create a concept album where I'm just going to create music and it blends and nobody kind of knows who's who. And it worked out very well, man. There were some songs there that I, I really love. I mean, the biggest hit I think from that one is The Question, which Noel did the, did the, the vocals on. There were some good songs there. So In Love, Brenda K. Starr doing the vocals on that. Dance with me, which was Tony Moran doing his, his his lead vocals on. Dance with me is a big one, but you know what? You know what my favorite song from that album is, and it's because I was dating a girl at the time, not at that time, but years later, and I was I was really listening to the song, and uh, it's "Spend My Life with You," System Three. Uh, I wanna spend my life with you. Sing it. You know, and that was. I, I used to listen to that song all the time. Needless to say, I have not spent most of my life with that woman. But for those three weeks when we made out at the museum, that was it. Concept of one. Go check it out if you're into freestyle music. Don't listen to the hits on that. Listen to the whole yeah, thing. It's good, good stuff. Staying on the freestyle genre, there was an album that introduced me into the new freestyle uh, generation. They often refer to, to that as new school freestyle. So back in the days in, in the new school freestyle uh, genre, Artistic Records was the premier album uh, after Mick Mac. I mean, they, they were part of Mick Mac. Yeah. Um, but they were the premier. So uh, Artistic Freestyle Parade uh, was a compilation series that was released by, by the producer Willie Valentine of Artistic Records. And in particular, their second release was uh, Freestyle Parade number two. And that had a couple of great artists like Marisol and Pose, All in One, just to name a few, including Willie Valentine himself. And that was one of the albums that, to me, were great from beginning to end. And and Willie did a great thing with those albums. He was making these compilations, but full compilations where you had intros and interludes and out and outros 
um, so that you, it was almost like it's a compilation album, but I'm treating it as like my own full recording album. Yeah, and they had concepts to it and themes, which, I, you know, if you listen to the songs, they all kind of fall within yeah, a particular they theme. Flow, so they, yeah. were, they weren't disjointed, which I really liked about those those compilations. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that's one of my favorite out of that series. I believe they went up to four um, four versions of Artistic Freestyle Parade. And then, they, then at that point, it started getting kind of bloated and they started mixing a lot of songs, doing mega mixes. Um, but I think in the beginning stages, Freestyle Parade 1, 2, and 3 were really the, the, the base for where new school freestyle music was going. And definitely a memorable uh, album for me, Freestyle Parade number 2. Yeah, and then those, those are, I, I consider them kind of new classics. Awesome stuff. And, and I really started when I started really diving deep in, into freestyle music, you know, Willie Valentine, artistic. Those were, that's where I, I gravitated towards after, you know, the, the golden era stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I signed to Willie to his label shortly after that. I was able to be have, blessed to have the opportunity to be on Freestyle Parade 4 with my group on too. Um, so I was part of that, you know, that process and, and that legacy. But this album in particular is what introduced me to it. Yeah, well, that one's good. There's compilations that I, you recommend. I think that's one from that era that really defines what that looks like. Some people might be familiar with this album. Some people won't be, but you are familiar with the artists involved. And this is, and I, I got to say it exactly the way it is, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Not the other way around, all right? And for those who are like, what are you talking about? It's... Jazzy Jeff, Jazz from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and of course Will Smith. And the album is Code Red. It's their last album together. It was released in 1993, and it was at a time where gangster rap and, you know, West Coast rap and a little harder, edgier hip hop was taking place. And there was really no home for the, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. Parents don't understand. Like, there was no real place for that, for, 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 Will Smith. Also, Fresh Prince of Bel Air was already kind of out at that time. Like he, that the show just kind of started, and I think he just needed to fulfill what was kind of the contract he was getting towards the end of that. But don't let that fool you. It's a great album. It just got lost in the shuffle because it's not. It doesn't define that era. If it came out maybe two years prior, I think it would have been a huge hit. Man, there was some really. There was some good songs on that. There was a lot of songs that I really like on that. I mean, I love that album from beginning to end. I think most people are familiar with probably Boom, Shake the Room, which probably was the biggest hit on that. But there's some good ones, man. There's, there's. I think one of my favorites on there is Just Kicking It, which is just a really chill. It has some great samples on this album, by the way. Uh, Scream is cool. Uh, Twinkle, Twinkle, I'm Not a Star is kind of a cool song. He's talking about how it feels like to be famous. And he's like, yo, I'm not a star. Like, I'm just trying to be just like you. I'm trying to just go home to my family on Thanksgiving. I'm just a regular guy. And that's part of the, part of the song, too. And he's like, it, probably, it goes like, twinkle, twinkle, little star. <laughs> uh, you know, something like that. I'm not a hit. Oh, yes, you, you know, something like that. But it's, it's really cool, man. It's a great album. And I just think that it just came out at the wrong time. I hear you. Good one, good one. In uh, 1998, another album dropped in hip-hop, R&B, which caused the waves, and that was The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Probably my one of my top five albums of all time. Uh, it was an introduction to just the blend of hip-hop and R&B. For those folks who don't know, Lauryn Hill was a member of the Fugees, and they dropped an album probably a year before that called The Score. 
which probably should have been on my list as well because I think that 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 was a memorable album. The score is very very good. Yeah, very yeah. very good. Yeah, absolutely. So Lauren Hill ended up branching off, and this is her first solo project. So first project out the gate, she won a ton of Grammys for it, super accolades, and uh, a great blend of hip hop and R and B. Lauren Hill is just a triple threat. An amazing vocal performance uh, that that will blow your socks off. Yeah, you were t- and you were talking about how this album had like a theme, you know. From you can't you can listen to the songs on their own, but if you listen to the album from beginning to end, there is a theme to it and it flows very nicely. Yeah, yeah. So she it's it's uh, it resides. The album kind of resides in a, in a school classroom, and uh, it's from intro and she has a bunch of interludes and outros and she's. Uh, you know, you're hearing, you know, you're hearing a class atmosphere and students talking about topics of love or topics of, of heartbreak and the songs are kind of flowing into each other. So it's really a full story. Basically, what happens is that Lauren Hill is not in the class, right? She's in the beginning of the album. Um, the the teachers is doing a roll call and, you know, asking for Lauren Hill and Lauren Hill is not present because she's in the album. She's in the music. And that that's where you hear her. Um, and that kind of ties into the miseducation of Lauren Hill, like you know, not being in school, but but I, I'm 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 part of this and, and and teaching you this way. So it's it's an it ties everything together. It's a great album, has a bunch of hits off of it. Um, she won a couple of Grammys, and it, it, if it's not on your top ten list, then I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also just uh, it defined kind of that era too. Yeah, in terms of kind of where hip hop was and where it was trying to get, there was like a moment there. Hip hop didn't know what it was. It, yeah. it just it, it, there was a, a kind of a mourning period after Biggie and Tupac died. People were trying to figure out where they were, and you know, Lauren Hill comes out with this. And if you think about how where hip hop is today, she was extremely ahead of her game. Yeah, you know, because now you hear. You know, hip hop and R and B are 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 just kind of a, a, an amalgam right now. You, yeah, you don't really have one without the other, and and those 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 threats of singing and you know stuff that Cardi B's doing, stuff that uh, you know Nicki Minaj was doing. You know, Lauryn Hill kind of had that first, but but obviously with much better vocals. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, the album I'm gonna go into it. This one's fairly new, and I know you're like, well, how can that be one of your favorites? And I think that one of the reasons why it's already there is because in today's age, I don't listen to many albums where I'm like, I got to listen to this again. Oh, man, I got to listen to that again. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to get that a lot. And if that happens to me now, gotta you got to be in the conversation. And, uh, you know, I might be because I'm biased or whatever, but Kamikaze from Eminem. Okay, is, that is new. Is, is one of... <laughs> I think it has potential. It's not there yet. I put it here as kind of like a placeholder. But one of the reasons why I put it on here now is because this album speaks to kind of where I am in my life. You know, Eminem went through some stuff. I mean, he put out a couple albums. He would. He was kind of up and down with his career. Kind of like, you know, when you get to a certain level, we already talked about Marshall Mathers LP. You can't reach that. It's, it's going to be too hard. And it wasn't like he was trying to get to that point, but he was always very introspective and raw and kind of telling his story. And then he almost died, right? You know, he overdosed and his life kind of took a different turn and he went sober and he went clean. And it's hard to get, you know, you know, it's hard, it's hard to get inspiration 
when you were doing a lot of stuff high and, yeah, and drunk yeah. and stuff. And it's like, what are you going to talk about now? And I think a lot of people in Kamikaze felt like, oh, he's just repeating the same themes and things like that. But what I like about Kamikaze is that it reminds me of Marshall Mathers LP, where in this case, he is a almost 40-year-old rapper, or he's almost there, you know, in an age where you have like a five-year lifespan in hip-hop. And people are like, yo, you done, you're nothing, you don't have what it takes, you can't rap with these new beats. And that lit a fire on him. Like, he just went in and was like, nah, I'm going to show you I can still do yeah. this. And to me, it was like the phoenix rising from the ashes. Yeah. And that's how I feel sometimes. You know, not necessarily with criticism, but I'm a, I, I'm the biggest critic of myself. Or sometimes I feel like I'm in a rut. Or like, I already did that. I accomplished everything I could do. And then you get knocked down a little bit. You yeah. know, you have a tough, you know, couple years at work. Or you have like a relationship that's just messing with you. And you rise from that, and you use that as kind of your your place to be inspired. So that album kind of inspired me to say, "Man, forget all that stuff. You still you still the man, you know." And and it, it just made a lot of sense to me. I think that the the subject matter might not be what people were expecting. You know, I don't I don't think you're ever gonna get Eminem do a a Jay Z 444 and be like, you know, my life has changed now when I made mistakes. No, but this was him responding to people who. Maybe forgot that when Eminem was your age, he was selling millions of records, selling out everybody, killing everybody lyrically, and he's just letting you know, respect your elders. And that's like a respect your elders kind of album. And for me, I'm kind of getting to that point in my life where I see these young kids kind of looking at you funny, and you're like, no, 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 let me get you, let me let me teach you how it is. That's why I think this album has potential for me to be one of my favorites ever. That's dope. That's real dope. And I just love the way he released it. Um, was one of the, yes, the surprise album. He kind of just said, "Don't think too much about it." Boop, and, just, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh those snap!" His, those were his words, literally. Don't give it too much thought. Just, just music. And then I, I mean, I remember that morning. I wake up. I look at my phone. I wake up every morning. I check my phone, and my one of my boys was like, "Yo, Eminem, fire!" Like little fire emojis. And I'm like, "Excuse me." I must have listened to that album like seven times before I even got to the office, man. That's I was crazy. like, "Oh my yeah, god!" Too. And even to this day, I, the songs come up. It's still, cla- you know, they 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 have potential classics. Yeah, uh, to me, but it's a good album. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. Dope choice. My last album is an R and B, and I referred to it a little earlier with with Boys to Men. How you were missing that kind of R and B influence with you know four guys who can really sing. And there's a group that came out of the '90s uh, in 1996 in particular was Day 26. And uh, this is a surprise for me because I was I didn't even know there was enough people who knew who they were. <laughs> yeah, but I love Day 26. So. So for those who don't know, Day 26 came out of the whole making the band era. Classic. Yeah. And we, we talked about these kind of reality kind of contest shows. Yep. This was during like the oversaturation point. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. They had a couple of, I, I know Danny D. Kane came out of that, yeah. that era. Um, and Day 26. So, ba- I mean, basically it was a contest, a, a reality show TV contest. You get, you know, a bunch of the, the best R&B singers audition to make the band. And this was led by by Puffy, aka Diddy, aka Puff Daddy, <laughs> Sean Combs. Sean Combs, yeah. He headed up the show and uh, and and did the recruiting. You know, you had a chance to kind of live through these guys' eyes as they go through the process of auditioning and trying to become a band. And it was a good show. Yeah, it was absolutely a good show. I watched that yeah. kind of religiously because yeah. it was first of all to have kind of 
uh, African American people represented in the show and kind of seeing that process, uh, it was very different from the white version of the show because there was another one. What was what was that group? There was a version of this that it was with uh, like white young kids, um, and they became a boy band. So this was kind of like the urban version of that. Mm, I gotta check that out. I don't remember that. So yeah. I, can't remember the group, but I think the song was, what is it, Old Town, I think it was. Ah, you're right. Matter of fact, it was, okay, you're bringing it back now. <laughs> so, yeah, so making the band actually started that way. It, it started with, uh, Old Town was the first, yeah, first group out of so that. That's right, yeah. That, that you know, to see that version. That was MTV's version. Yeah. And, and I think when Puffy took over the show, it became more urban and he and he made it made hip-hop. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so I remember that. And it started with Danny DeKing and then Day 26 was the next one. Um, and Danny DeKang Both groups had some great success They actually did pretty good Yeah They had some great success Some great albums And off the bat The, the first album for Day 26 Was entitled Day 26 Self-entitled album Released in 2007 And uh, you know Some of the biggest hits for me That I remember Is uh, you know I'm the reason Got me going In my best Silly love I love CoStar CoStar was great And again It reminded me of True R&B Where all f- all five singers, all five guys in this group can blow. All of them were, were amazing. Well, that dynamic. was part of the show because the show was like you had all these guys competing, right? And eventually they got, they got it down. Yes. But they were all good. best of the best. I mean, they all could stand on their own. They were all. I think they were really all sing- soloist artists. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and who formed this group? So you get all the drama. You know, now you're sharing the spotlight. Now you're sharing parts and songs. So there's a lot of drama to it, which, which that's what TV is, right? And that's what they do on the show. Um, but I remember there was one white white kid named Donnie Clang. Yeah, Donnie. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't he dating one of the Danity girls? Yeah, dating one of the Danity <laughs> girls. Yeah. So he he ended up not being picked up on the group, but on the on the on the show uh, the finale he ended up getting a solo deal. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, and he did his. He thing, had a couple so. of songs on there. Yeah. Yeah. I think he had one single that was hot. I'm actually still in touch with him personally. I have his email. He he runs yeah. a studio out in New York. What's up, Donnie? Yeah, what's up, Donnie? <laughs> um, but yeah, big, big. Uh, I remember that record, man, and, and uh, I, I enjoyed it. I, I just gotta say, man, my sister's gonna be very happy with that choice. She loved Day Twenty Six. They don't get as much love as as, as they should. Man. See, I I, w- I made fun of her all the time for that because I was like, I, I like him, but I mean, I had the CD and everything, but I was like, <laughs> she was like, Yo, Day Twenty Six is dope. Yeah, and I was like, Don't say that too loud around here, man. You know, <laughs> so she's gonna be very happy that you made that That's your good. choice. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, my last one is a, is an album that when it came out, I was excited because I was already kind of an EDM head at the time, and Daft Punk was already considered a pioneer of that. But this album was nothing like that. Okay. You know, they, they went in a different direction, and that's what I like about them. They always reinvent themselves. Random Access Memories, an amazing album. It's still considered EDM, but it was elements of kind of what inspired them to make music. So they went into the studio and started recreating songs of, you know, sounds of the 70s, sounds of the 80s, okay. you know, kind of what that feels like and making it their own. And man, that was an incredible, incredible album. And it came during the time, you know, this album really means a lot to me because it, it came out when I was going through my divorce and it just meant a lot to me because I needed something to help me escape. And that was my escape. This album helped me escape. And it just, you know, it it had some great songs. I mean, obviously, most people are very familiar with like the big hits, you know, "Get Lucky," which was kind of like the big deal, um, you know, "Give Life Back to Music." But there was some really good stuff here. "Giorgio" by Marauder 
where it's probably the simplest concept that I've ever heard of. It's basically Giorgio Moroder, who's probably the father of disco music. He's literally just talking, and they put music to it. So he's just talking about his life and his music in the background. Amazing. You know, that was awesome. The song that makes me literally cry every time I listen to it, Instant Crush. Julian Casablanca is, is, the, is the lead on that. Uh, that song just means a ton to me. You know, it's attached to someone who really helped me when I was going through some stuff. And I remember, uh, you know, before I left the apartment that I was living in, I was by myself. I got rid of, like, almost all my furniture. I'm sitting there, and I heard that song on repeat, like, 70 times. Wow. Until I fell asleep. Wow. And Good to memory. this day, I'm just, like, I, that, yeah. it, it, makes, it makes me cry, man. Uh, don't don't cry now. Uh, I'm, I'm tearing up, but thank goodness that this is, this is audio, right? <laughs> uh... A big part of this album, it won a ton of awards, and but a big part of it was uh, the influence of Nile Rodgers on this. He was okay. a part of, of a couple of tracks on there, and I really like that Daft Punk went uh, to be to create a future that went back to the past. Yeah, and got in touch with people like Georgia Maroder and and folks like Nile Rodgers, and then making things modern with like Pharrell. Yeah, I thought that that was important, and, and this is a, a good microcosm of if. If that's what the future sounded like in the 70s to them, because if you listen to some of the disco, it was pretty trippy. Yeah. They took that and took it even further. Mm. And it, and I love that they named it Random Access Memories because it kind of plays off Ram. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's for me, it's uh, a, an album that will, will live with me forever because it has some special meaning. Good stuff, good stuff. All right. Well, appreciate you listening in and uh, sharing these moments with us uh, as we kind of go back down memory lane and talk about albums that are that touch our lives. Yeah. And, and have you heard any of these? Did did we did we kind of match some of your favorites? Or spark your memories? Yeah. Or something you're like, like, oh my god, I gotta go back to listen to that again. Or you're like, who? You know, did, <laughs> uh, were there some some albums on there that you're like, yo, let me find out what's going on here? Like day twenty six. I thought that was just a, a number on the calendar. You know. <laughs> Let me go check that out, you know, or or like I thought Fresh Prince was only around since Big Willie style. Like you know, let us know, man. Yeah, yeah, be interesting to hear that. And, and don't forget, check us out on our website www.musicallyspeakingpodcast.com. Review, subscribe, and share. All right, well, we we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to Musically Speaking with your hosts Lewis and Pedro. Be sure to visit musicallyspeakingpodcast.com for show notes, past episodes our blog. Please subscribe, like, or share with a friend. Till next time.